Welcome to Weinberg Information Services' discussion on the Fifth Circuit opinion in Elkins. Uh, joining me today is Jonathan Blockmacher, who will walk us through Elkins uh, and to discuss how this has evolved from the tax court through the Court of Appeals. Uh, Jonathan, I know you wrote about the tax court opinion for Lineberg Information Services. Um, help me, help us with what the tax court said, and then let's go from there. Right, Bob. Uh, Elkins was perhaps not a surprising decision. Taxpayers had uh, transferred fractional interests in works of art so the decedent died owning fractional interests. And they took 45% discounts based upon appraisals that in an income tax sense would have been qualified. Of course, you don't have the same criteria for estate tax purposes, but they were valid appraisals done by real legitimate appraisers. But the uh, commissioner said that no discount should be allowed at all. It just said it's inappropriate to allow a discount for works of art. Now, of course, the commissioner had conceded in other cases like with land and with business interests, you do get a discount for owning only a fractional piece. E even if you have control, you're going to get some sort of discount because it's co-owned with other people. And in land, for example, there have been reported cases from everything from 15% to 45%. The tax court, without receiving any evidence from the commissioner, the only evidence before it was a 45% discount from appraisers that the tax court brought in. The court said, we're just going to decide on a 10%. It was kind of like a fiat. And it really meant that it was going to be very, very difficult to do planning with respect to fractional interests in works of art. And that's what the tax court held. Mitch Gans and I wrote up for Limeburg Estate Planning Newsletter a couple of years ago a description of the tax court decision, which people might or might not want to take a look at. So lately, though, there's been a lot of discussion on the appeal of Elkins. And first of all, where did they appeal what circuit did they appeal to? And walk us through what the appellate court did with this. The tax court decision was appealed to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers Texas and Louisiana. And it was before a very well-known judge, Jack Weiner, who used to be a trust and estates lawyer when he was in private practice. He's very well respected and he's made some of the most important decisions in the recent decades in the Fifth Circuit. He really admonished the tax court by just pulling 10% out of the air. Uh, he pointed out that the commissioner, again, had presented no evidence as to what the discount would be, and it was not realistic to think that the discount would be zero. Basically, it said that the tax court had no choice but to accept the 45% discounts, which the taxpayers had presented from their experts as the level of discount. And again, there was no other information, no other appraisals before the court. Now, I've seen other cases where the court on its own says, well, the taxpayer said a 40% discount, the commissioner said 15, and it kind of cuts the baby in two or comes up with its own. But this was a situation where the commissioner presented no evidence at all. And as a consequence, the taxpayers were allowed 45% discounts on fractional interest in works of art, which saved them millions of dollars of estate tax. So this is all good news. I know there was a $14 million reversal on this case. 
So for purposes of planning, when someone comes to a planner with substantial works of art, it appears discounts should be should apply. And what do you, what is the best way to implement this to make all this work? Well, let me mention one other thing before I answer that. The taxpayer also sought at the tax court a discount because there was a, a sharing agreement. The parties who owned the fractional interest had gotten together and had an agreement as to the use of the property. And the taxpayers argued that that arrangement resulted in a further discounting. Uh, the tax court rejected that because of Section 2703, which is one that says if you have a restriction on the transfer of property, it will be ignored in certain cases for estate and gift tax purposes. The Fifth Circuit really didn't get into that in too much detail, uh, but it does give us a couple of points of guidance in planning. First, you can give a fractional interest away during your lifetime or even sell it, although you might want to sell it to a grantor trust so there's no gain. And there should be a discount allowed. Now, how much that discount is is the question. I don't think the commissioner is going to be coming in again and saying there's no discount for a, fractional, uh, for a transfer of a fractional interest in a work of art. The best analogies probably are other cases where discounts have been found. People are working today on trying to find evidence of discounts with respect to tangible personal property, but to date, as far as I'm aware, the evidence is rather sparse. But clearly, Bob, if you and I own a painting, and I only own half and you only own half, I don't think my half is worth a full half of the painting, especially if I can't easily turn around and sell it. We know from cases involving real estate that when two parties uh, own a piece of land, for example, and one of them wants to sell it, it's very difficult to get the sale done. So if I want to sell my half, it's probable that many buyers that I would go to say, we don't want to buy half, especially if it's on with Bob Keebler. He's such a difficult guy. You know, he never pays his share of the insurance on time. Uh, he's sloppy, he smokes cigars, and there's going to be cigar smoke all over these works of art. So we want to buy the whole. Well, you can prevent me for a long time in being able to sell a whole. I might bring the equivalent of a partition action and try to force a sale, but that might be very difficult and costly to, uh, to, to arrange, and that's why discounts are pretty substantial when you're dealing with fractional interest in real estate, where there is more evidence. What it means is that if a taxpayer owns a significant work of art, they can sell a fractional interest, again, to family members or make gifts of it to family members and then only own a fractional interest in debt. There should be a sharing agreement between them in which the prior owner of the whole painting agrees that he or she is only going to possess and hold it for part of the year. If you get back to a situation where you've given it to a grantor trust and then you're going to try to rent it back uh, from that trust, you're going to have difficulty determining the rental value of that property. And as a consequence, you better make sure that the trust or its beneficiaries uh, owns it for a proportionate part of the year and it pay a proportionate part of the expenses, such as for insurance and for storage if it goes into storage. But for people who own extensive works of art, the Elkins decision in the Fifth Circuit certainly gives very good news. 
I don't know that people can count on the same level of discount, which was 45% in the Elkins case that the, that the Fifth Circuit effectively allowed, because that was where that was the only evidence before the court. If the commissioner does adduce expert testimony or other evidence to establish you know, what the level of discount should be, the court would no doubt consider that. But this provides a great opportunity, a new opportunity for people who own extensive works of art to try to do more efficient estate planning. So, Jonathan, when you look at the big picture here, my question is, why didn't the IRS ever get its own appraisal? I mean, why was there so much bravado on their part that they thought the court would ignore the need for evidence as to what the discount was? Bob, that's a very good question, but as you know, it's not easy if you're working for the IRS to get an appraisal. Uh, you have to do a requisition, you have to interview people, and I think there are very few people, if any at all, who have expertise in art and who work for the Internal Revenue Service. They do have some people who know something about real estate, maybe closely held business interests, but I've never met anybody from the IRS who was really an expert in works of art. And typically, if you're fighting about the fundamental value of a work of art, they will go out and hire someone, but that costs the IRS money. But I think they'd have great difficulty in finding someone who could talk about a fractional interest. But what that would happen is if you have an expert in there and you say to the expert, have you ever known anybody who owned a fractional interest in a work of art? No. Well, I had two sisters who inherited it from their mother. Well, what happened? And typically he's going to say they fought like tax cats and dogs, and that means there's going to be some discount and valuation. But I think, Bob, the commissioner will in the future have to get appraisers out there. But again, I know from my own life experience that when you have multiple people inherit an item which is not easily divisible, it's not like 100 shares of stock and you, know, you have four beneficiaries and each gets 25 shares, but you're talking about four beneficiaries who have to share a building or have to share a work of art, it's going to get pretty ugly pretty quick. And uh, maybe there are some where one sister says, oh, I'll just sell you my half or half of the appraised value or I'll buy it from you for half of the appraised value. But that's pretty rarely the case. Remember the adage, Bob, you never know another person until you shared an inheritance with them. And that's when the knives and the teeth really come out because you want the most you can get. So if you want to give your children a bad time, have them inherit your works of art jointly. There will be fights, but that merely goes to prove, Bob, there should be a discount in valuation. The open issue is whether or not the courts are correct about Section 2703, which, as I mentioned, if you have a restriction on the transfer of property, you uh, ignore that in certain circumstances, such as where family members are involved. But I'm not sure a sharing agreement where it says that A is going to possess it for half the year and B will possess it for half the year and they have the months in and they've got to pay their uh, insurance on time. And then you might put in, well, what happens if they don't pay it on time? Uh, and that also could cause a big lawsuit. And I don't think that's a 2703 issue uh, any more than a normal lease at full value is, is, is an issue. But that's something that has not yet been decided, but I think taxpayers will in the future, just as the Elkins family tried in this case, try to get a discount for the existence of that use agreement. 
Jonathan, this has been a very insightful analysis of Elkins and why it's so important to look at not just what the tax court says, but what the appeals courts are doing. Now, let's talk about the, the real impact of Elkins outside the Fifth Circuit. So if we're in another circuit, how do we view the law and how impactful is what the Fifth Circuit, the appeal of the Fifth Circuit, the reversal of the tax court, uh, how impactful is that in a different circuit? Well, one thing again, Bob, I think that even if you're in another circuit, let's say you're in a very pro-taxpayer circuit as the Ninth Circuit, I think, is usually viewed. I don't think the commissioner, if he knows the appeal is going to go up uh, even to the Ninth Circuit, is not going to present some evidence. And I think that any appraiser who says that uh, you would get no, uh, suffer no fractionalization discount if you owned a partial interest in a work of art and wanted to sell it, uh, I think he'd be laughed out of court. I think he cannot sustain it. Because again, Bob, what I envision is that taxpayers will bring in experts who've experienced fights over works of art where they were inherited by more than one person. A best thing to do is to get the best appraiser you can and get the best evidence you can. And that evidence, Bob, and this doesn't come out in the case in, in any of these cases, it's got to have real proof of circumstances where the expert was aware that there was a fight among common inheritors with respect to a work of art because it's almost impossible to share it. Indeed, Bob, I think it might be easier for two sisters, for example, to inherit a summer home and they agree the first year the older sister will get it for July and the younger sister will get it for August and then they'll flip. But I've had circumstances where people got angry because of telephone charges and who paid what and so on and so forth. You have insurance issues, you have real estate tax issues, but I think it's even worse when you come to works of art because there has to be delivery. One sister gets to possess it half the year and then the other sister gets to possess it for the other half and then life changes and the sisters don't want it at certain times, like one of the sisters retires and she's supposed to get it in her home in Connecticut, let's say from May through October, uh, but now she's somewhere else for that period of time. Who takes the responsibility for transporting it? You don't do that with a piece of real estate, but the transportation, the possibility of theft or damage, which is much more likely with a work of art than it is with a piece of real estate, I think really is something that the courts will consider. But the key, Bob, in planning is make sure you've got the best evidence so if the IRS does come in and challenge, you've got the best evidence to present to the IRS and to the courts if it gets that far of an appropriate discount. On behalf of Leinberg Information Services, this has been Bob Keebler discussing Elkins' appeal to the Fifth Circuit with Jonathan Blockmarker. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, Bob. Bye-bye.